a lot of people kind of look at my career and they see Nike and Apple and they're like, wow, that's mm. amazing. You've had such a successful career. But I haven't, you know, just landed in those jobs. Those jobs have come about through these two periods of time that happened before them. Hi everyone, I'm Hetty Holmes and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, the podcast that explores what makes us feel good to improve our mental, physical, spiritual and emotional well-being. Whether it's a dopamine hit on reaching a career goal, a rush of oxytocin from spending time with loved ones, a surge of serotonin from practicing self-care or a fitness class to send endorphins soaring, everyone's definition of what makes us feel good is very different. My next guest, Stephanie Brown, author of Fired, Why Losing Your Job is the Best Thing That Can Happen to You, is here to tell me about hers. Firstly, I want to talk about kind of like, like careers, motivation. In this kind of having it all culture, there's, there's a lot of talk about, you know, climbing the career ladder, you know, wanting more, setting goals, um, you know, setting your achievements really high. But sometimes it doesn't always go to plan, right? You, you're made redundant or you're left unemployed or you're fired, which is something you've got a bit of experience in. Yep. Um, you've actually written a whole book about it. Yes. <laughs> so and I'd be keen to learn more a little bit about your journey to creating that book and, and kind of the background. Yeah, so um, things haven't always gone well in my career, which uh, I think people that know me that don't know the backstory sometimes are quite surprised to hear that. Um, I have been fired twice. Um, I've also been made redundant twice. So I'm quite familiar with sort of losing your job and coming coming into work and then the next day not having a job. And uh, they're quite different experiences. I think losing your job through redundancy is where they sort of take you into a room and say, you know, we don't want you to work for us anymore, but it's not your fault. The company's in trouble or whatever. And being fired is where they take you into a room and they're like, we just don't want you to work here anymore. Oh, <laughs> um, and I've had two of both happen to me. Yeah. Um, the book is predominantly about my two instances of, of being fired. Um, and I use the word fired, you know, I guess probably to, to cre- create a bit of impact because it has such a negative connotation. But it, it's really just a case of, you know, sometimes the place that you think you're supposed to be is not the right place for you. Um, mm-hmm. And that's sort of what happened with both instances where I, where I lost my job um, through being told they didn't want me to work there anymore. <laughs> well, you worked for some pretty iconic brands, didn't you? Exactly, yeah. And I, I guess that's part of my story is that, you know, I came to the UK in my early 20s um, from New Zealand and I'd been in the UK for like a year working at a company. Uh, it was an agency, so, um, you know, they, they sort of flex anyway depending on what clients they have and things Um, and I lost my job there after about a year Um, and then three months later I got my job at Nike and I stayed working at Nike for eight years and then I left Nike to kind of pursue an opportunity that I was really excited about and uh, that didn't work out unfortunately because again it just wasn't the right place for me and um, seven months after that I got my job at Apple and so a lot of people kind of look at my career and they see Nike and Apple and they're like, wow, that's mm. amazing. You've had such a successful career. But I haven't, you know, just landed in those jobs. Those jobs have come about through these two periods of time that happened before them where there were actually really difficult times in my life and, and I had to really dig deep and show a lot of resilience and a lot of kind of courage that I even I didn't really know that I had. Mm. Um, and I think that is part of the, the journey I've been on and what, what I coach people on and what my book is about is about this idea that actually had I not been fired from those two jobs um, I wouldn't probably have succeeded in my career the way I did mm. um, and that I've succeeded not in, in spite of being fired but because of being fired mm. and I think people sort of 
they 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 worry about things like being fired, about this perception of failure, because they think that it's going to send them off on this path, whether which is going to lead to nowhere. But what they don't realise is actually most of the time that that sort of failure sends you off on a path that takes you to a place that was way better than the place you started in anyway. Yeah, everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah, exactly. I've exactly. been well, my fr- some of my friends and I we've been in a position where like you know we're in a job we don't like, but because of the like LinkedIn profile you think you must hack it out for like six months just so it doesn't look kind of awkward to other brands but like I kind of think that's that's ridiculous like if you know if if you're in the wrong place you're stuck in a rut you should do something about it and change it but I think a lot of people just compare themselves to others and have to be like living the best life all the yeah. time yeah and actually my book is is called fired why mm. losing your job is the best thing that can happen to you and that is kind of what a, a genuine statement from me because I think if you're lucky enough to get fired, you don't end up staying in a place where you're not meant to be. You don't end up in that rut. Mm. And I look back at both instances of me being fired and it literally was the best thing that could happen to me because when I was 23 or whatever it was, the first job I was fired from, I'd only been in the country for a year. Um, I had absolutely no idea that I was capable of getting a job at a company like Nike. Mm. Like when you arrive from a country like New Zealand and you've got no contacts and you don't know anyone, mm. you know, jobs at companies like Nike are reserved for people that know people. Yeah. Um, and I knew no one. I just knew other Kiwis and they didn't know anyone either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so by, for, by by pushing me out of that company, by pushing me out of my comfort zone, I was forced to hustle. I was forced to scramble and try and find this new job. Mm. And when I came up for air with a job, it was at Nike. Mm. And I was 23 and I was fresh off the boat from New Zealand and I was like, how the hell did I end up with a job at a company like this? Yeah. And it was, you know, t- even now in my career, it was the, the best place I've ever worked. It was an incredible eight years working there. Yeah. And I just think, imagine if that guy hadn't fired me when I was 23, I probably would have stayed in that company for like another two or three years and never known that, uh, you know, something like that was even something that was possible for me. Yeah. And what company was that then before Nike? It was just a, um, it was an agency in South London. It was yeah. sort of not anyone significant. It was, um, it was just a, a, an account manager job that I got when yeah. I arrived. It was, yeah, it was nothing, it was nothing great. Do you think it was like a clash of personalities or have you? No, I think um, they lost a few clients and I think, you know, they had, they had to make a call on a few people to keep and um, I don't really know the full reasons behind it because because they hired a few people after I'd left. So I don't know if it was personal or if it genuinely was just a business thing. But yeah. I don't spend a lot of time dwelling on that because I've I've learned in my career and I've certainly learned coaching other people that have been through this experience is that you shouldn't take that personally at all, even if it was personal. Mm. Because even if, even if someone within the company didn't like you, they're just one person within yeah. that company. They're not the only person... Um, that's opinion matters and they may be the only person that matters if they therefore let you go Mm. Um, but it doesn't mean that everybody that you worked with in that company thought you were terrible and it doesn't mean that everybody in the future is going to think that as well so Mm. even if it was personal I think you have to really try not to let an experience yeah Yeah. don't take it personally because what happens is then it it really hits your confidence and and it becomes a downward spiral from there yeah so you're 23 you've got this amazing job at Nike like what was it like working for them Nike is is a great company for work to work for um I had 
Uh, I had nothing but good experiences there. It was it was a great job. It was a great team. Um, I love sport, so working there was was fantastic. I met loads of athletes. I loved. Um, it was hard work. It's a it's a very work hard, play hard environment, and mm. it certainly wouldn't be for everyone. Um, but yeah, I loved working there. It's, it's a great brand, and it's a, it's a really good environment to work in. Um, and how did you stay motivated in that environment? Did you do a lot of like goal setting? Like you know, I'm in one year. I'm gonna really strive to be in this place. Or, funnily enough, in my twenties, that was one thing I didn't do a lot of. Mm. And now in my thirties, it's something I do a lot. Yeah. And it's probably the piece of advice I would give to my younger self is that I wish I had kind of. It wasn't that I wasn't looking forward. It's just that I didn't really realize how much impact I could have in my life by planning out it out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think um, the hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Hundred <laughs> percent. And yeah. that, and you know, people always say like, "What advice would you give to your younger self?" And, yeah. and and that's definitely something I've thought about. I think there is a lot of merit in knowing where you want to be in five years' time and taking decisions that send you on that path, as mm-hmm. opposed to taking opportunities that come at you and mm-hmm. I and I know people always say like make sure you take every opportunity that comes your way I actually disagree with that to an extent because I think if you take every opportunity that comes in front of you and you don't evaluate it based on the place you actually want to be in five years time you'll end up in this place way over here mm. and you'll be like how did I get over here and even if it's a good place if it's not the place that you wanted to get to because you've just taken opportunities as they came you know you might be disappointed that you didn't end up where you thought you would be. Yeah. And talk about relationships. So did you lean on your friends and family during that time? Was it a bit of a shock when you when you had that first blow? Or did you just kind of power on and, and apply for jobs? No, I certainly didn't. Oh, I, I powered on as much as I could, but I, I found it really difficult. Yeah. Um, both times, actually, I found really difficult. The second time was harder because I was older yeah. and um, jobs are a lot harder to come to buy when you're older because those senior roles that you know, they take longer to fill. Yeah, and you're a long way from home <coughs> from your family. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So actually it happened in the wintertime, which is not great timing because in New Zealand it's all sunny and barbecues yeah. and all of the social <laughs> media. <laughs> exactly, I was yeah. like, oh, uh, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, so I probably didn't lean on my family and friends as much as I should have. Mm. Um, I had a few friends here who I probably... They would, they would probably say I was a bit of a nightmare to be around because my confidence was really low. I was mm. probably mildly depressed during that time because it just it came as such a shock to my confidence and um, and I did I did struggle through those months when I was was when I was unemployed. Um, but you know you should lean on those people. Mm. Uh, you know even if like my friends who I leaned on uh, here would say that I was a nightmare to be around, they still appreciated that, you know, I did share things with them. Mm. Um, But one thing I think in hindsight now that I'm a bit older, I probably should have leaned more on, um, you know, coaches and mentors, two things that I've, I've really valued in the last five or six years. I've, um, I've had, I've got a couple of coaches that coach me from a life coaching standpoint and from a um, career standpoint as well. Mm. Um, And, and therapists as well. I don't, do a lot of therapy myself I, I I know people that have done therapy and actually I think it's not the worst thing to have someone that you can talk to that is in a neutral position because your mm. family and friends they're not professionals in this area if you are you know 
experiencing something like job loss and and it is really difficult you know you shouldn't be afraid to reach out to a therapist or to speak to a coach that might help you put together a plan Mm. that can at least give you some hope and some optimism towards you know where you're going next yeah and was was the counseling is that offered to you at the time when you were fired or is that something you had to seek out yourself no so i i've um done therapy for other reasons um not related to losing my job actually um and i think i probably wasn't in a place where I needed therapy from the job standpoint. I think yeah. I was able to actually put a lot of my own um, things in place to get me through that time, although it was a really difficult time. Um, but I have coached people um, myself who have lost their jobs where I have suggested that maybe it's talking to a therapist would be good because there's a lot of sort of emotional trauma that maybe comes up because you're going through such mm-hmm. a difficult time and maybe some of those things need to be addressed. Yeah. Um, but it, if I was going back and reliving it again, I think I would have got a good coach mm-hmm. to just kind of someone that I could talk to, someone that could help me put a plan in place, someone that could help keep me motivated and, and focused on, on the future. Yeah, I think there's a, a less of a stigma now around therapists, right? I think people say that everyone should have a therapist it's kind of like just to sort your head out and sort out the clutter and then you know like you have friends for different types of moods it's like it's that friend that can just sort your head out and actually prepare you for when you need to go into work or to a family situation so you can kind of kind of come up with little hacks yeah and I think a good therapist will give you like you say good coping mechanisms to know when something's triggered and therefore how to react to it and that's something that I don't think your family and friends are sort of qualified to do. So, you know, if, yeah. if it is something that you were, that someone was going through, you know, I think therapy is a, a great thing in those kind of situations. Yeah. And did you ever feel like you wanted to just leave the UK and go back to New Zealand? <coughs> no, or? Definitely. No. Yeah, yeah, many times. <laughs> and that, and that, that winter was really, really tough, yeah. really tough. And um, watching, you know, all the stuff on social media of summer yeah. and everyone at the beach and, um, you know, it, it did feel like that at times, and but the the one thing I sort of said to myself was that I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't let it kind of defeat me, yeah. And I certainly wouldn't be leaving the UK off the back of losing my job. Like yeah. I wasn't going to let that be the reason I left. I wanted to leave in the future when it was my own decision. Yeah. Um. And so I was really steadfast on that that this was not going to be something that kind of brought me down. Yeah, that shows such determination though, because I think last time we met, you were dating a guy, but he was in Sydney. <laughs> yes. So like, despite that, you were still prepared yeah, to stay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. And then this guy you're with now, he's in New Zealand. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, <this laughs> be ashamed to lose you, but... <laughs> this is what happens in life, exactly. right? You've kind of just got to go with what, what comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Trying something new can change how you feel about yourself. Now you can get that feeling with ClassPass, the app that connects you to the best fitness experiences wherever you are. Keep your body flexing and your mind feeling good at home with unlimited access to thousands of free video and audio workouts with some of the world's best trainers. To get them, just create a free ClassPass account now. So talking about like self-care, so when you were going through that really dark time, did you like have problems with your sleep? Were you kind of feeling anxiety quite a lot? And like, what did you do to kind of, to help that? Did you take any supplements or put any practices in place? Yeah, I think that time you can realise in hindsight the yeah. kind of level of stress that you're actually in. I think at the time I probably didn't realise um, how stressed and anxious it had made me. Yeah. Um, but I did put stuff in place that, um, you know, I talk about in my book about some of the things I did. Um, mm. I 
realised kind of early on the importance of keeping a structure in place. Yeah. I think anyone that's lost their job or even just been between jobs knows that it's very easy to start sleeping in late, um, you know, watching Netflix all day, exactly. you know. Yeah. There's no, if you've got no boundaries of what you have to do. Yeah. Um, Something like a good list. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I kind of decided to keep the same um, routine that I had when I was working. So yeah. I would get up at 6 or I would go to the gym at 6.30. Um, but instead of going to work afterwards, I would come home, I would, um, you know, have a nice breakfast, I would sit down and... Um, start job hunting the same way I would if I was working from home, for example. Um, And that really helped me just to understand that, you know, if you keep that structure, it's a little bit of a mental control over your life. I think Mm. sometimes when people lose their jobs and they then let the structure go from their life, it feels like everything's out of control. Yeah. And you don't actually have any control over whether you get a job or not. That's someone else's decision ultimately, even if you go through loads of great interviews, someone else is ultimately deciding that. So what I found is that the things that I could keep a control on myself, such as keeping my day structured, I can control getting out of bed at 6am every day and no one can take that away from me. Mm. And I think taking, you know, reclaiming that control over my life was a really good feeling because being fired was not my decision. And whether I got a new job was not really going to be my decision either, despite any amount of work I put in. Mm. So it felt like, keeping hold of those things, you know, was really important. Um, and the other thing for me, you know, at the, the town I grew up in, New Zealand, um, it's on the East Coast. It's literally the first city in the world to see the sun every day. Yeah. Um, and I'm really obsessed with sunrises. Yeah. And so for me getting up, um, not so much in the winter, the sunrise is a bit later than 6 a.m., but mm. it was really nice to get up in the morning, watch the sunrise, and just kind of take stock of, you know, it's a new day, anything yeah. could happen today, be positive. Um, and that sort of moment of reflection in the morning with myself was was something that um, was a time that I, I held uh, really dear because it just helped get my head in the right place for, for whatever might come your way that day. Yes, yeah, so that was like your form of meditation then. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And do you practice any of that stuff now? Yeah, I do actually. I, I started meditating not when I got fired, but probably about three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do find meditation amazing. I, fi- I find the the I find how um, relaxing it is and how much energy you have afterwards quite amazing given mm. what you're actually doing. Yeah. Um, I find the same thing with lo- with yoga. You know, every time I do yoga, I come out afterwards, I'm like, God, I feel so good. Yeah. And, and you go in there feeling so shit and then you yeah. come out and you're like, where did this energy come from? And, and, I, and I, I, I get that there's, you know, theory behind it in terms of breathing and relaxation yeah, yeah, yeah. and things like that. But I am always surprised with yoga and meditation, how good it does actually make you feel. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely something that, you know, you should carve out the time to do. Meditation particularly, you might not be able to do yoga every day, but I think certainly even just 10 minutes of meditation mm. in the mornings, I think really sets you up um, Just to breathe properly, right? Because it's just, I didn't know before about, you know, changing your body from, from war mode into peace mode. So yes. like parasympathetic to sympathetic. No, it's sympathetic into parasympathetic, sorry. Because yeah. I, I would, you know, have anxiety and then I just do some gentle breathing and then within 10 minutes I'd just be flooded with calm, like almost yeah. like I'd, you know, had a spliff or something. I was yeah. so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and chill so well, it's pretty powerful is, breathing is I mean that's that's I guess what within yoga which part of what helps calm you down right yeah. and I'm always surprised by breathing and the effect that it has and bre- br- deep breathing and 
even just taking 30 seconds to have deep breaths was something that I used in my job when yeah. both when I was at Nike and when I was at Apple. Um, if I was having like a stressful afternoon or, you know, I was going from one meeting to the next, mm. I would literally sometimes go into the bathroom and just stand there and breathe deeply for 30 seconds. Yeah. And the effect that it had versus, you know, the amount of time that it actually took to do it was yeah, amazing. Yeah. It was disproportionate, you know, the effect it has on you. And that's certainly something that I think helps to manage stress stress and anxiety for sure. Yeah. And what about CBD? It's quite a craze at the moment. Have you yeah, tried it? No, or? I haven't no? actually. It's not something that I've got into. Yeah. Um, you would probably know a lot well, more about it than I do. Well, it's still a bit of a grey area, I yeah. think. But uh, yeah, I was just interested to know. I always ask people on the podcast if they've tried it. No, I um, haven't actually. I was in uh, Holland and Barrett the other day and they were really advocating it. Yeah, everyone like, is. I'm not sure what it even <laughs> exactly. does. Exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of like magic wonder cure. Yeah, so it, it does affects seem everything. a bit like that. Yeah. And exercise is obviously a very important part of your life. Mm. Um, so tell me a little bit about kind of the workouts that you do and how you get your endorphins. Yeah, um, so I've I've always worked out since I was quite young, actually. I think the first time I started going to the gym, I was 12, which sounds a bit crazy now. <laughs> but yeah. my dad took me to the gym because I wanted to, like, just, like do what he was doing, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, and then sort of through my teenage years, I was a runner. Running's mm-hmm. really big in New Zealand. So I used to run every day after school on the beach. And then when I came to the UK, actually, for the first few years, I didn't really do a lot of exercise. Mm. Um, it kind of fell out of my life a little bit. And then when I started working at Nike, it kind of came back into my life because that's part of you know, the lifestyle of working there. A lot of people will want to go running in the morning or yeah. go to the gym and stuff, which is really lovely. Yeah. So I kind of got back into it again. Um, And now, you know, I work out probably four days a week, maybe five if I'm feeling up for it. But I usually do yoga once a week. um, And then I do some sort of class. I go to Barry's boot camp a lot. Um, I've been to BXR a few times. So I kind of do classes just because I like to have it in my diary. Um, Once you've paid for it, they're not cheap. So you're you're (laughs) unlikely to sleep through your alarm. Um, And I actually... I really protect that time. Um, For me, it's the non-negotiable in my life. Um, I remember when I was at Apple, sometimes people would try and put meetings in before 9am and I would just decline them and and actually say, this is the time I'm working out. And I think companies like Nike and Apple, they have these sort of policies around, you know, the well-being of employees. So therefore, I don't think people could really argue with with you saying, oh, I'm working out at that time. So precious time. Yeah, for me, that was a non-negotiable. I would would always say, look, I can't do meetings for 9am because that's when I work out. That's my time. Yeah. Um, And any time that that got interrupted for whatever reason, we had a big launch on and I maybe had to to be flexible on that. Um, I really did notice you know, the difference in my mood, the difference in how I felt. Mm. Um, and I know that that is the thing that just I have to always have in my life. Um, mm. and, and, I, and I do find it quite easy to do, which people hate me saying that. Yeah, yeah. But I think when, when you realise how good it makes you feel and therefore how it impacts the rest of your life, you mm. don't think of it so much of a, of a chore of like, oh, I've got to go to the gym. Yeah. You realise actually this is a really positive thing yeah. and you're really happy about doing it because you know the positive effect it's going to have on your mood. Yeah. Are you quite good at listening to your body? Like when you're quite stressed already, do you then choose quite a stressful kind of hit workout or do you know to go and do something more meditative like yoga? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm quite good at listening to my body now. Yeah. Probably when I I was younger I was a lot more like just work out hard yeah Yeah. and then actually um, when I was at Nike I did some work with um, James Digan who's the founder of Bodyism and James really got me to understand you know the the sort of 
stress on your body when you're doing more stressful type of training and yeah. why it's actually quite important to bring like Pilates and yoga into your regime. And that's actually when I started doing yoga was kind of off the advice of James. Yeah. Um, My husband works for them. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about this. We have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because I did their Clean and Lean. Yes. And I, I did a review for um, another magazine ages ago. And I was the same. I was just smashing. He hates those kind of army he does, style yeah, he does. and things. So, yeah, he used to tell me off. And then I remember I went on the cross trainer. Oh, no, it was the VersaClimb to kind of get my heart rate up and yeah. then he's like do that for two minutes and then he came back in and I was still going and he's like what are you doing I just wasn't used to that yeah and it, it's it's a very different um way of thinking than I had ever thought about before yeah and um actually I, I took quite a lot from training with James and those are the kind of things I actually did take from it this idea that um you know, you don't have to be hitting it hard every single day. You know, mm. back then I used to train five, maybe six days a week. Yeah. Um, and now I train four, and if I do do five, it's because I genuinely, like, want to, you know, maybe my girlfriends are going to a class on Sunday and I want to go with them. So yeah. it's it's more the extra one will come for reasons like that. Yeah. And I think I took away a lot from that, even in terms of eating, in terms of um, – just being kinder to yourself about the food you put in your body. Yeah. Um, understanding that, you know, we have to enjoy life as well, which, you know, this whole dose, that's the yeah, whole point, exactly. right? Um, and I remember James, actually, he came, he very kindly did an interview um, at Apple when I was there. I organised him to come and speak to our marketing team. And a girl in the audience asked him, um, what would you she said something like what would you recommend if you're on a diet and you go to a friend's house and they're serving kind of you know like unhealthy food yeah you know how do you get around that and stuff and James just looked at her and he said you eat the food yeah <laughs> no, and he said you're yeah. out with friends your yeah. friends have cooked you this beautiful meal yeah like do not Don't worry about dick. your diet <laughs> just sit there and enjoy it and be grateful that you have friends that have cooked you this meal yeah. and enjoy it and and taste every every mouthful yeah. drink the wine and just enjoy life yeah and i was like that's great advice yeah and <laughs> I, and i think that's a lot of you know what he taught me when i was training with him as well which i yeah. which i really appreciated because i certainly hadn't thought about um, training or eating or anything in that way until then. Yeah, because so I guess when you're younger, like you said, you've, you've got all this energy and you don't yeah. think about like, how it's affecting your hormones and you know even your sleep and things yeah. like that. But then I guess when, when you're a little bit older, it does affect you in those ways. And yeah, I think when you get older, you realise that it's holistic. Yeah. And when you're younger, you think it's just exercise and I've got to stay thin and whatever. And then as you get older, you realise that absolutely all of those things are linked in together. You yeah. know, a good night's sleep is as good as a good workout. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always talk about it as like I'm feeling a bit more yin now than I, I was well, yeah. more of a yang person back then. But then now I'm kind of like I've been in sleepy Devon with a baby and I'm like ready <laughs> to come back to London, you know. So it's just it's finding that balance, like yeah. you say. Yeah, absolutely. And how has your like health and nutrition changed over the years? Like are you, are you pretty good or are you more plant-based now? Like how has it changed? Yeah, actually I, I am a lot more plant-based now. Um, I stopped eating meat about four or five years ago, mm. um, a close friend of mine got sick with bowel cancer. Mm. Um, and it was actually sort of pre the plant-based eating craze. Yeah. And um, he was a very good friend and he was only in his early 30s and I got quite obsessed with why he got sick Yeah. Um, versus the rest of us who were still healthy. And so I did a lot of reading on sort of bowel cancer and there was links between bowel cancer and red meat and a lot of research and I just sort of decided that I didn't really care about meat enough to mm. want to keep eating it. Yeah. Um, whether the research was accurate or not, I was kind of like, well, it's it's not a big enough part of my life that, you know, 
I, I don't mind giving it up. So yeah. I did. Um, and off the back of that, I think I started eating more plant-based just sort of naturally. Um, I don't have a strict, strict plant-based diet, although I do eat a lot of vegan food just because mm. there's a lot of vegan food I cook that I like. And it's actually really delicious. And it's yeah. really delicious. I'm cooking like Bosch recipes at the moment. Nice. Nice. <laughs> really, and quite hearty, simple grub, yeah. but, but good. Really tasty. It's surprising, actually, how much good vegan food there is. And yeah. if I'm just cooking for myself, then, you know, it works. And, um, yeah, and I think that sort of got me thinking more about the food that I ate. Um, so, yeah, I've certainly moved away from meat. I still eat mm. fish um, occasionally, mainly when I go out for meals um, with friends at restaurants and things like that. Yeah. But, yeah, I eat predominantly vegetarian or, or vegan. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think once I link all that in with a friend sort of not, not being well, I think yeah. that it's kind of hard to separate the two yeah. after that. But then I guess if you go to, you know, out for a meal and or your friend cooks something meat related, you're not going to turn it down. I've been in those situations I, sometimes. Yeah, I don't eat meat. Um, oh, so in you're flat out say, yeah, I you're don't, say in advance, yeah. Yeah, I'll say in advance that I don't eat meat. Okay. Um, but, you know, I don't... Uh, I've, I've been to, like, barbecues where I've just had salad and people are like, oh, my God, you're eating the salad. Mm. I'm like, actually, a yeah. lot of good salads these days. Exactly. I don't... Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. So, you yeah. have some halloumi or something? Or yeah, you, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not too strict. Then. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm more vegetarian. Yeah. Um, I guess people, if you want to put a label on it, you'd say pescatarian. Yeah. But I just don't really... I don't think you should put labels on it. No, I think it's I, nice that's why people. I say flexitarian, just because yeah. I can swing either way then. And it's yeah. Like, but I, I don't really eat meat anymore. I just don't really... I don't have the taste for it. Yeah. I think just, I've kind of cut it, apart from chicken. Yeah. I'm like meat, not um, yeah, birds and fish as well. Yeah, birds yeah. and fish. <laughs> and I think it comes down to like what you'd be prepared to kill in the wild as well. Like, yeah. I think if I was desperate, I could probably kill a chicken, but I couldn't <laughs> kill a cow. Let's put it that way. Um, so let's going back to like the, the future. So you're doing a lot more coaching, you said, as yes. a result of the book. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that. So did you get clients directly from it or? Yeah. So the reason the book came about um, was because I guess when there's a lot of people losing their jobs these days that's yeah. it's really normal and um i had a lot of friends sending me their friends who had lost their jobs mm. and what they'd say to their friends is um steph's been fired twice the first time she got fired she ended up at nike and the second yeah. time she ended up at apple so yeah. you should go and talk to her because she's very positive about yeah. this experience um and so a lot of people were kind of sending me their friends people that i didn't know to yeah. meet for coffee and to you know make them sort of help them out and give them a sense of hope in the situation and maybe give them offer them some advice and techniques and and stuff and then one day someone just sort of said you should write a book about this and then you wouldn't have to meet with everyone yeah (laughs) and I was like actually that feels like a nice thing to do for myself more just to get out the 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 feelings I had when I went through that situation and if, if off the back of it people read it and it gives them some sort of comfort in a time that I know was quite traumatic for me, yeah. then that's a bonus and, and that would be amazing. And that's kind of what happened is that a lot of people who have read it um, have reached out to me if they've been going through that kind of time mm. um, and, and sort of thanked me for writing it and saying it really helped them um, to get through that. So that so that was really nice. And and off the back of that, some people wanted to actually coach with me. Mm. Um, and you, Nike was a... A, a very much a culture of like mentoring and coaching within the office yeah. um, and they also sort of sent you on courses where you were taught to be a better leader and a better, better coach within the office um, so I had some skills from that job yeah. and yeah I just sort of I did a I did a small coaching qualification it wasn't you know 
years of, of learning, but it was, it was it was enough to kind of get me started. Mm. Um, and I've predominantly been coaching people who have either lost their job or are going through like a transition phase where they're looking for something new and maybe a, uh, a feeling, you know, a little bit of hopelessness. Mm. Um, and I kind of wish that I had had a coach like myself when I went through that period because yeah. I can see the comfort that it gives them when they sit down with me every week and, and they know that I went through it and I sort of say, look, I promise it's going to be okay and yeah. they you know they they believe you and and everyone i've coached has uh i can i can honestly say gone on to do better things than where they started from anyway so yeah um, so satisfying yeah it is it's really yeah. really satisfying actually yeah I bet. <laughs> really really good oh well steph thank you so much for joining me on the day's no, podcast thanks it's for having me such a pleasure talking to you and uh, hopefully you'll be in london for a little while longer yes maybe a little <laughs> <Yeah>. longer <laughs> yeah. okay thank you awesome thanks Eddie. If you have any questions about today's podcast, please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com.